The Education Channel supports individual educational goals and encourages creativity for all. Visit uctv.tv slash education. Hi, my name is Maritza Sanchez, and I'm a PhD student in material science and engineering. Um, currently ended my sixth year, and I do research on uh, materials for extreme environments, so materials that can withstand very high temperatures, different types of energies. So I synthesize these materials and I test them um, for certain applications in extreme environments. I grew up in California um, in a smallish city called uh, Fontana. It's about 60, 50 to 60 miles east of Los Angeles. And so growing up uh, was a little bit difficult. Um, I am a Hispanic uh, first-generation student in school. So uh, my first language was Spanish, um, and I started first grade in Fontana. So it was very different trying to get adjusted to the culture of speaking the language um, in English and then also the different uh, types of people that I was meeting that might have been a little bit different from what I was used to growing up. Um, and so that was a little bit hard. But regardless, like my parents, they always were very like strong and strict about education. Um, so I think that really helped me in like trying to focus in my academics and try to do well in school. And because I think Spanish was my first language, I kind of gravitated more towards math because it just seemed easier because math is like the same in Spanish or English. So I think I like I understood it a lot better than trying to take like English classes and history and that kind of stuff. And so I think since very early on, I kind of just gravitated towards math. Um, I did really well in math and I kept that throughout like going into high school and, and, and like beyond in college, which I think kind of contributed to me being an engineer <laughs> was the fact that I really like math and I really like science. So I just continued doing that um, because it all made sense to me, even as a small child. But yeah, like growing up was nice. I have a big Hispanic family. Um, I have over like 60 plus cousins. And so we would always like travel to Mexico and spend Christmas with giant like family reunions, um, which is really nice because I still get got connected to my culture um, and then visiting family members in the U.S. too. So it was always family oriented too, which was really nice. Um, and so even when I went into like college, that first year was a little bit rough because I didn't realize just how much family centered I was. So I, you know, being a small a teenager trying to go and get the college experience, I was like, I really want to go far away and like have the whole college experience, live in a dorm and do all these things. But then when I got there, I got really sad because I was like, oh man, I really miss my parents and my family. I didn't realize that every Sunday we would always like go out to eat and spend together. And so being there, it felt a little bit isolating. Um, but, you know, trying to find a new community in college and stuff to keep that sense of like, you know, family and like having people there for you to help you out, even if you are far away from your family. I was in the dark a lot um, when I was applying to college. <laughs> um, there wasn't a lot of, in, in terms of my family, there wasn't like a lot of people who were there to kind of tell me what the process was like, like when I should think, be thinking about what I want to study, where do I want to apply, um, and stuff like that. So when I was in 
I think middle school, um, I did join the AVID program, which kind of helps prepare you for college. But even then, like our school was uh, a little bit more low resource. So it wasn't like we had these great experience of like traveling to all these um, colleges to see them and see what they're like and what their campus life is like. So it was just in general, like, you know, think about college. um, And then they kind of introduce you to like the those careers that we all hear about, like being a doctor or being a teacher or something like that. So I feel like there was still so much more out there that I didn't know. And so the reason why I knew that I like I should be applying to college um, was based on the group of friends that I had in high school. So I tried to like, because my parents really pushed the the importance of education and doing well in your classes. I always tried to have like a group of friends around me who were, you know, very intelligent, who pushed me to be better and to like do well in my classes. And so because of them, you know, I had that exposure to understand that I should be applying to colleges and stuff. So even then when I did apply to colleges, I feel like I only applied to maybe four or five schools and they were mostly all in California and they were like University of California system, so UC schools, um, which in retrospect now, you know, I could have definitely expanded uh, my range and what like the opportunities that I had to go to other places, maybe like the Cal State system, maybe out of state. But, you know, I was always told that out of state was so expensive. So don't do that, you know. But, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there, like having scholarships and stuff that I just didn't know at the time that would have helped me like make that decision as well. So the application process, you know, it was nice because I did have teachers who like looked at my application materials. um, So that was really helpful. But in terms of like the selection process, you know, what school should I apply to? What program should I apply to? It was really difficult. So when I did start, I didn't know I wanted to do engineering because I had no idea what that was. Um, So I had applied to all of these universities as a psychology major because I was a peer counselor at my high school. And I thought, oh, wow, this is awesome. I want to be a psychologist for the rest of my life. Um, And then it wasn't till like my high school math teacher sat down with me and told me like, hey, you're like one of my top students in math. Have you considered a career maybe in engineering? And I was just like, what's that? (laughs) So he like sat down with me and he had originally started as an engineering major in college before he became a teacher. So he told me what his classes were like, what it entailed to be an engineer, what kinds of engineering was that were out there and stuff. So it was um, really helpful to have that conversation with him and to, for him to kind of show me and expose me to that because that completely changed my career path. And so, you know, that from there, I made the decision that this sounded really cool. I was happy to be doing like math and science all the time. Um, and so when I went to college, I decided that I was going to change my major from psychology because all of the programs I applied to were psychology. So I had to go through that transition of changing Um, So that was a whole nother challenge on its own to get to college and then try to be changing your major throughout the first two years and stuff. Um, And so like I also have like a very unique story because I started off at UC Santa Barbara, again, trying to change my major. And UC Santa Barbara is a very competitive school for engineering. And they have two different colleges. So I was in one college for psychology, and I had to make the complete switch into the College of Engineering. Um, And so that was difficult as is. But the majority of my physics class, which were like 300 people lectures, um, were trying to just switch into engineering. So it was very competitive, too, to even be a student at UC Santa Barbara trying to get into the major. 
So when it came down to the end of my second year, I did the application process and they only accepted three students <laughs> that year and they were all about 4.0 students. So I did not have a 4.0, so I wasn't accepted into the program. So I had to make a decision on whether I wanted to stay at UC Santa Barbara and do a different major or if I wanted to leave the university, go somewhere else and pursue engineering which ended up being the latter. So I did leave Santa Barbara and I went to California State University, Los Angeles. And that decision was really hard too, I think, because a lot of people kind of looked down upon the transition from a UC to a Cal State, which in the moment I, I didn't know. Um, so like people telling me like, why are you leaving Santa Barbara? Like that's such a great university. It made me feel like I was making a mistake um, trying to pursue my career somewhere else. But in the end, you know, it was an amazing opportunity. I got to Cal State LA. I My GPA increased so much from being at Cal State LA because I just felt like I was getting a lot of, like, the strong relationships with my professors, the support that I needed from them. My classes were a lot smaller. They were a lot more specific. Um, there was a lot more students who looked like me, who had very similar upbringings to me. So it was really easy to make friends there and connect with them. And then also, I feel like because my GPA was better, because I was doing so well in my classes, that just opened up so many doors for me to like be able to get into like research opportunities, um, take on like more of technical experiences. And so from there, I just like ran with it. And I did so many different types of research experiences, both at Cal State LA and outside of Cal State LA. So summers, I would travel and do research for a whole summer somewhere else. Um, and that was like really nice because I think it set me up really well for applying to graduate school, um, which otherwise I don't think I would have been, you know, as prepared or as knowledgeable when going through the application process for grad school and what grad school I should choose, what program I should choose, and then what exactly did I want to focus on in my research. I actually had a lot of friends who did go into industry. It, it is very common. Um, when you major in engineering to kind of just do the bachelor's or maybe do a master's program and then work in industry um, because it is very design focused and you know you have already a lot of the skills that you, you need for industry to be able to do those projects. For me, I think it was the freedom I had in terms of like my creativity. Um, and so when I was a part of research projects as an undergraduate, I just felt like I was always growing and I always learned and I was always able to contribute, you know, my own ideas to the project. Um, and so there was a lot of like wiggle room for like, you know, we can do this instead or we can try this, um, which I really liked. I like that freedom. I don't think I do well under like very strict, like, you know, project, like, steps, you know. Um, so for me, like having that flexibility to be able to just like do what I like um, and contribute to the project with my own ideas, I think that was the biggest thing. Um, I get bored really easily, like very bluntly. So like being a part of these projects, like they, I never got bored. Um, so that was really nice. And I wanted to be a part of something like that. And so that's why I kind of chose graduate school. I felt like I needed to learn more. Um, and I love learning. So I wanted to be in a place where that it allowed me to do that. And then I also wanted to like contribute to these kinds of projects um, and not kind of be in a job position where, you know, I it was very routine. And so that for me was like one of the biggest contributors to choosing to go to graduate school and do the PhD. Um, I still think, you know, even at this point, 
I still have a lot to learn. <laughs> so like I think at every step that I get in terms of my career, I just realize how much I don't know and I want to like learn more about that. So um, even now, like I'm trying to so like my career goal is to be a faculty member um, and be able to still, you know, do some research, but also focus on the teaching side. Um, but still, that will allow me to still be learning, not just like in terms of my own research, but also learning from my students um, and doing all of that growth um, academically as well. So I think that's that's like a mission for me, I guess, to always be learning, like a life goal, to always be learning and be in a place where it's challenging me to like keep growing um, as a scholar and as a person. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of why I chose to go to graduate school. Our PhD programs are um, most of the time almost 100% of the time funded. Um, so a lot of students don't know this, and I definitely did not know this before You know, I got to college, was that if I did want to ever pursue a doctorate, um, especially in the STEM fields, those are funded. So your tuition is paid for, um, and you also get paid. It's, it's like a job from the research that you do, um, either through different types of sources. It could be fellowships, which are very similar to scholarships. Um, it could be through teaching assistantships. So you're teaching a course and you're getting paid for that. So you're still being funded while also doing your research. Um, it could be a lot of different things that your, your advisor might be funding you. Um, so a lot of different things that allow you to be funded, but it is a funded program. So, you know, this can change for a lot of people, like, you know, the fact that now they know that it is a funded program, you know, this is something that I could consider because I know it's not going to break me financially. In terms of like the, the schedule, um, you come in usually as your first year, which you can come in straight out of the bachelor's, especially for engineering fields. You don't need a master's to get to the PhD. So it's not this very like strategic, like, um, steps step by step that you need to take so I came in straight from the bachelor's into the PhD um, and then your first couple of years are usually you taking courses that are requirements it's a lot less courses than you would as an undergraduate student or even a course-based master's um, and they're very specific to the field that you're studying um, and then you usually take either a written exam or some kind of oral exam at the end of your second year that will allow you to obtain the master's if you don't have one already. So you kind of get it along the way. Um, and then after that, like you usually start research your first, second year, but at a very like low intensity. And then once you start to finish up your classes, you dedicate most of your time into the lab. Um, or if you are someone who's more computational, then, you know, a lot of stuff on the computer. Um, and so you focus on the research for the last couple of years. Um, traditionally, doctorates take maybe four to six years. Um, but again, that's very specific on the program. It's very specific on the advisor that you have. Um, but that's kind of what it looks like. Throughout this, you also do a couple examinations. One is the proposal of your project to a committee of faculty members who, you know, give you feedback based on that proposal. And then at the end, for before graduating, you defend that proposal based on the experiments that you conducted or the stuff, um, simulations that you ran um, in front of that same committee. And they kind of give you feedback on that as well. So that's generally how the PhD program is laid out. Um, and then the big milestones that you have to reach throughout the program in order to graduate with the, with the doctorate. The general um, field is material science and engineering. Um, the good thing about material science and engineering is that it's very broad. So it can be applied 
literally anywhere. You, I mean, we see materials in the everywhere in the world. Um, so, you know, you can think of materials in a biomedical sense. So when we're thinking about like um, technology that we use in hospitals, you can think about it in terms of, um, you know, aerospace. So uh, planes that fly in the sky or even space exploration. So some of like the rockets that we see going into space. Um, and you can think about it for like different different types of areas. So that's the really nice part. My specific area focuses more on aerospace type applications um, and energy applications. And so um, I look at a very specific type of material, um, which is called ceramics. Um, generally, we divide and categorize materials into four different types, which is metals, um, which so we all see that in the world. Um, polymers, which are plastics, like an example is like a plastic bottle where you drink water. Um, ceramics, um, which in our everyday life we think of maybe as the coffee mug that you drink your coffee out of. And then composites, which are a combination of these different, the, these three other types of materials. So mine specifically focus on ceramic materials. And the very nice thing about ceramic materials is that they are high temperature materials in general, which is again why we use it for a coffee mug for our coffee because we have hot coffee. We don't want to put that in, you know, a plastic container. Want to use something that is not going to, you know, go undergo a chemical reaction or melt or anything like that when we expose it to these high heats. The ones I look at are even higher temperature. So um, we make very specific compositions um, utilizing the periodic table of elements um, to create new materials that can withstand very high melting temperatures, typically above 2,000 degrees Celsius. Um, and those materials are very special because, you know, you can utilize them to help advance technology in certain fields. So we can make faster planes. We can make um, different forms of, we can utilize different forms of energy where before we didn't have materials that can withstand, you know, these different types of energies. Um, and we can make, you know, different types of rockets that will allow us to go into different environments within space. Um, and so this is kind of what, like what my research focuses on. There's a lot of different things that you can do to manipulate materials to change the way that they behave um, at the larger scale. And so we look at these different things um, and how we can change maybe the size of the particles that we're looking at, the shape of the particles that we're looking at, um, and then see how that overall changes the behavior of the material in terms of its like mechanical properties or its thermal properties um, and stuff like that to make you know more efficient materials overall for these applications. One of the places where I found the most community that significantly contributed to all of my successes as an undergraduate student and also as a graduate student now has been um, the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, um, which is an organization that is focused upon um, trying to, you know, allow Hispanic students to thrive in these fields and be successful and get to their professional careers. Um, but it's a very opening and welcoming community. So it's open to anybody. You don't have to be Hispanic. But what I really loved about this organization was at any level that you are, even 
even pre-college, like if you're a high school student, they do a lot of different types of events and programming that allow you to be at whatever stage you are and prepare you um, well in advance for you to be able to be successful in these fields. And so as an undergraduate student, I definitely took advantage of, you know, first of all, building the community, finding friends in my classes um, who I can connect with, um, setting up study groups. They had a lot of like different types of like academic development things going on. So like trying to help us get good GPAs, do well in our classes. They also had the professional development sense of it. So attending professional conferences, networking with industry um, professionals, also, um, you know, creating resumes and setting up for interviews, um, all of these like skills that you don't know you need until you're like there trying to get a job. Um, and so they prepare you well in advance with this um, from like, you know, experts who, you know, recruiters who do this all the time, who always interview or check resumes. So they're providing you the feedback for your stuff so that it is top notch and really great. Um, and then there's also like the social aspect. So, you know, we do have a life outside of school and outside of our careers, which is also very important. So definitely setting that up so that we have, you know, social events or we have things that contribute to like mental health um, and all of these things. So I found that through this organization, I had everything I needed um, to kind of help me be in a good state and help me stay uh, doing well in my classes and then setting me up for a career. Um, and so as a grad student, I feel like I've kind of turned my role from getting to giving. Um, and so I have like contributed a lot to being now a mentor instead of a mentee to a lot of students. Um, I've pushed for a lot of programming and initiatives to kind of help students prepare for graduate school or even think about applying to graduate school so that they can hold these like very um, like decision making positions within like these companies and stuff because they have a higher degree because they are experts in their field. Um, and I've also kind of helped with one of the subgroups called Shiptinas, which specifically focuses on being a double minority in the STEM field. So not only a Hispanic, but also a woman because women are also underrepresented in the engineering fields. Um, and so specifically focusing on things that are very relevant to, to being a double minority in the field. So for me, I think there was a lot of things that I needed going through my entire uh, college career that I felt weren't there. Um, and, you know, going through all these struggles, for me, it's always been important to not just obtain your own successes and do all these great things, but do all these great things and have all these successes so that other people can build on that. And so I can do all these amazing things, but it doesn't really matter unless I'm setting the platform for somebody else to like, you know, take it and run with it or, you know, to get even better recognitions and, and all of these things. And so especially for someone who comes from an underrepresented background, not seeing a lot of people who like look at me, look like me in terms of like my classmates, um, which is getting better and I'm really excited. Um, but like, that takes time, you know, and it takes people contributing to that change and doing that. And that's that's kind of what I want to do. And then, it, you know, the representation just gets 
worse as you go up the field, up like the hierarchy. So like when you go from undergrad to graduate school, representation drops. When you go from graduate school to academia, representation drops. And so the fact that I've slowly been trying to like reach all of these stages um, and being that representation for other students is really important to me. Um, and so this is kind of why I wanted to stay in academia and I wanted to be in a university that's very student focused to do all these things because I feel like that's where I have the most, that's where I can contribute the most change and touch the most lives. Um, Cause for me, it really is like all about trying to make it better and easier for, you know, the generation that follows after me um, because diversity enhances these fields. If I think back to myself and what I what advice I would give myself when I was younger, um, it definitely be, you know, like be proactive about um, like your education, your career. Um, there was a lot of times where I was afraid to ask for help. I was afraid to just even ask someone like, hey, do you have like this opportunity available? Like I just felt like I wasn't in a state where I could do that. And so because of my fear, I didn't ask for help and I didn't ask for those opportunities. I didn't seek those opportunities. Um, and so that once I started doing that, it, it just completely changed my life. And so I feel like if I would have started that a lot earlier on as an undergraduate, there you know, my, there would have been a lot of different things that would have happened for the better um, in terms of like my college career and even getting to graduate school.